Today's episode is one you are going to love, and I cannot wait to share it with you. I am chatting with Jeannie Heaton. If you haven't heard of Jeannie before, let me get you up to speed. Jeannie is the founder of One Posture at a Time, a nonprofit that brings the healing benefits of yoga to those suffering from addiction, alcoholism, trauma, and other body mental issues. She is a recipient of the Hot Yoga Teacher Training Scholarship and is also a certified is, is also certified in Yin, is a Y12SR teacher, completed the healing trauma through yoga training with David Emerson, is an ambassador with pureaction.org, and a here-to-be ambassador with Lululemon. From her own experience as a recovering heroin addict and alcoholic, she's spoken on the recovery benefits of yoga at conferences at Yale University, the New York State OASAS, and has taught in state and government rehab facilities, including jail. Jeannie is a full-time teacher at Fuel in Athens, Georgia, and teaches weekly at drug and alcohol rehab centers. Are you ready for this one? Because I am. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the Meet Me on Your Mat podcast, the space to get and stay inspired to keep up a lifelong yoga practice. My name is Tori, and I'm a yoga teacher that loves to explore the why of someone's practice. And that's what we do here. Expect conversations with real people that step on their mat daily, even though it would be easier to do something else with their time. Career, kids, the ups and downs of life, and yoga, we are going to talk about it all. Let's get started. Well, good morning, Jeannie. I'm so glad you are with us today for this yoga chat. I am beyond excited to talk with you about all things yoga. If you could introduce yourself to everyone out there. Thank you, Tori, so much for having me. Uh, My name is Jeannie Heaton, and I'm a hot yoga teacher. And I started teaching in New York. I started my journey with yoga in New York and now live in Athens, Georgia where I teach for uh, Fuel Hot Yoga. Nice. That is great. So how long have you been practicing, Jeannie? Well, I started my practice in 2008. Well, actually, yeah, 2008, January, maybe December 2007. I can't quite remember, but it was right around that time of Christmas. Okay. Um, My best friend uh, and at that time, she was not my best friend. She was my playwriting teacher. And um, she took me to my first class. Very nice. And what uh, kind of, what what made you interested in attending with her? Um, or what did she tell you about the class before you went? Absolutely nothing made me want to attend with her. <laughs> like, there was no way. I was going to do hot yoga and the way she described it and everything that it was. Um, But what had happened was I was bringing in these same pages. I was trying to write this play about my life and my experience. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. And I had just gotten out of drug treatment where I had um, detoxed methadone because I had had um, a long IV drug addiction with uh, heroin. Mm-hmm. So then I transferred on to methadone 
program, to a methadone program to get off the heroin. Um, but that was really the end of me being on a methadone program. Um, but that's a, I'll, I'll talk about that later. But anyway, she, <laughs> so I'd just gotten out of treatment and I was out of treatment for about three months. Um, I'd been in treatment for 19 months and I was living with my best friend, Vanessa, um, Hollingshead in Chelsea. She had taken me in and, um, cause I knew where to live and she's like, you've got to get back to your roots, your theater, your writing, your acting, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Listen, I'm lucky if I can't take a drink a day at a time, let alone, you know, go back to, and she's like, no, you, you have to, and she really forced me to go and take this class, like audition for this theater place, um, called Studio Dante, which was actual, actually Michael Imperioli's, um, acting studio, and when I went in there, I went over there to, to find out about it, and I just, again, kind of like yoga, you know, we mm-hmm. take the opposite action of what we don't want to do. So I did not want to do it. And she's like, well, if you don't do it, you can't stay here. I like, oh, God. So I went over there, and this little clip of a thing, she's like five feet tall, Francine <laughs> Volpe, lets me in, and I, I, I meet her, and she's like, you know, tells me the spiel. And I went in, and I auditioned for the class and uh, to get into Michael's acting class, and um, I got in, and it, it was the, that whole thing was a drama unto itself. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I started taking this class, and then Francine like put up a flyer on the thing that she was going to start teaching this playwriting class, and I was like, "That's more, I'll do that." Mm-hmm. And I do the theater too, but I really wanted to write about my experiences in treatment, so I was writing this play of course, called Methadonia, <laughs> which was all about living and meth, you know, as an addict and getting clean and everything. And I was bringing in pages week after week after week, and she was giving me notes on my pages. And every time she would give me notes, it was like this feeling of, like, shame would roll down my back, and I would, like, cry, and I would hold my head, and... I just couldn't stand the feeling of not being perfect and not doing well. Um, and so what was happening was with all of that flood of emotion, I couldn't hear her. Mm-hmm. couldn't hear a word she was saying. And so week after week, finally she said, listen, you're bringing these same pages in over and over, and you're not taking my notes. You need to go to yoga. And I was like what <laughs> and she's like not only yoga you need to go to hot yoga because you cannot focus mm-hmm. you cannot hear me you are so consumed with self you know you're just like in it there's like a cloud around you and I think this will help you and I was like all right you're insane and I'm not doing that and um and my biggest fear was which I didn't tell her was you know what do you have to wear Right. Mm-hmm. So, because of all the IV drug abuse, I covered in track marks, and I was terrified. So, it took probably six months for me to go. But what happened a couple weeks before I actually went was she was actually having a reading of one of her plays at an off Broadway theater, and I showed up for the reading. And you know, I didn't know her that well. Still, you know, she's still my mentor, my teacher, and I tell her. I go to the bathroom and she's in the bathroom. Now it's her night, her playwriting night. It's her thing. 
and I say, hey, listen, Quincy, and I just wanted to tell you about that hot yoga class. Like, I'm really scared because I kind of Googled it a little bit, and, you know, I can't go because I can't, you know, show my body. I have body image issues. And um, she turned to me, and she goes, oh, Jesus, who doesn't? I'll meet you there. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. Truth. I was like, she was like, just meet me there. I'm going to yeah. book it. I'm going to meet you. And then she, like, really held my hand. She was like, okay, you're going to meet me at this little deli, like a little cafe deli thing down in Soho. Mm-hmm. That was good. She practiced at um, Raphael Pachitti's school, which was Bickle Meal Manhattan. Okay. You're going to meet me at this little deli, and we're going to drink water together. And I was like, Like we're gonna drink. So she let so walked in. I met her. She had the smart bottle of water. She's like, "Here's yours. Here's mine. We drink this whole thing down, and we're gonna hang out here, and then we're gonna go upstairs and we're gonna do the yoga." So that was like my, you know, first where the seed was planted, and then it took me six months, and then um, we went up those stairs. Now, of course, I'm dressed in a hoodie. Oh, Lord. And I'm not, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the whole thing. And I'm thinking, well, nobody will see me because mm-hmm. I'm in a hoodie and long yoga pants, you know. Well, of course, everybody sees you because they're like, what the hell are you doing in a hoodie? <laughs> totally. Like, ladies, yeah. strip down, it's you're going to die. It's 105 degrees in here. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And this was the place, this was the studio on Spring Street that was known, um, they called it the Skillet. Very hot, um, <laughs> and uh, it was very hot. And uh, Raphael was my first teacher. Raphael oh wow! Yeah, so he really kind of held my hand through it. He yelled at me a lot, um, but in a way, I thought when he was saying like "your knee, your knee, your knee," that he was just talking to me. And I was like, "Yo, dude, back up! Like I'm trying. <laughs> I'm freaking trying." Yeah. You know? And then he was like, at one point, he, he looks over and he goes. You, you are way too young to be in this bad a shape. And I was like, excuse me? Uh-huh. Like, who are you talking? You know, but that was one of those moments where, when we all have them, right, where it's like the teacher says something so true. Yes. That, and you're so vulnerable because mm-hmm. you're so hot and you're so stripped down of all the you know, blocks of whatever we keep up as we move through our regular world, mm-hmm. that it penetrated so deeply. And um, and he was right, you know, even though I'm not, I was like, I'm not young, who are you talking to? But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you were, yeah. you weren't 18, but you were, you were young. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. We're all too young to be in bad shape. Is and you know what's interesting? Like, Quincy, when she starts her classes, she'll, like, writing and yoga and anything creative is all the same. But she'll start and she'll say, um, what's your biggest fear? Mm-hmm. You know, what's your biggest fear? And I do that this with um, my yoga students, too. Like, we'll be at talking outside, and they'll just be like, you know, that it's too late, that life has passed me by, that I miss my shot, that I, you know, I'm too... Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely too old for this. And I can tell you that I have 18-year-old kids from UGA here at Athens say that to me. And it's crazy. And I'm like, 
So we always feel too old. We always feel we missed our shot. We always feel we're not ready. We always feel, you know, so whether you're quote unquote quote old or young, I think that this idea of, you know, you're too young to be in this bad of shape is, you know, from the womb. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, the idea is like, like harness, harness this now, you know, like, take this mission on now, you know? Absolutely. And it's never too late to start, you know, or to have that dream. Um, you know, in, in my community, uh, we have people who are in their sixties who are doing their first arm balances. That's amazing. You know, um, that they busted through that block of like, that's not for me. That's for other people. Uh, and that you, your body is always available to learn something new and same with your mind and your life is always expanding. You know, but it is true that we can get really stuck in this this thought loop of not enough, missed it, never going to happen for me. And it's it's yes. such a wasted opportunity because at any moment you can turn it all around and That's decide right. that this adventure is for you. Yeah. So, yeah, that was and then there was one point that when we first hit the floor in that class, you know. The first class. You no, know, and this, yeah, okay. this was back in the day when it was that disgusting rug, you know? Yeah. And it was like carpeted. Oof. And I wasn't sure if I smelled or the floor smelled. I think everything, I mean, the toxins coming out of me, you know, were just like, I smelled like metal. You know, it's really. Oh, weird. yeah. Yeah, you know that smell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I had that moment when I was like, oh my God, every single addict, alcoholic, in the world needs to do this practice like it was just this little voice and then of course i immediately dismissed it um but (laughs) i remember that moment yeah because i was like uh, where did that come from you know yeah 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 Uh, and i'm never doing this again so yeah so Um, that was your first impression then of like as when you left the class was it like i'm never doing this yeah until about 20 minutes later Okay, what happened 20 yeah. minutes later? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I got to try that again. Oh, how um, funny. So it was that with, quick. Maybe, yeah, it was, without a hoodie. It was after I got out of the shower, and I was like, maybe I should try it again. Like, you know, I'll find some long sleeve gauzy thing to wear. Uh-huh. You know, because there was no way I was showing my arms. Mm-hmm. Um, with all, Because I was still really, you know, a lot of track marks from using heroin. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there was no way that I was ever going to let anyone see my arms. I mean, I practiced in long sleeves for a year plus. Wow. Yeah. So I found I would like go on these missions, like to find all these sort of long sleeve gauzy, you know, that were like thin, you know, yeah. like, you know how they are. Like they're so thin, you can kind of see through them, but you know, um, covered enough that you felt yeah, safe covered in that it, environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but, um, so your takeaway afterward is I absolutely have to do this. Um, was there a feeling that went with through it? Did you feel better? Did you, you know, like? Well, what started to happen too was because of all the scar tissue and uh, in my arms and my feet, my legs, and you know, I was a person who, and not to get too graphic for those of you out here who don't know about addiction, but the truth is, you know, a drug addict who doesn't have good veins, um, it's probably why I'm alive today, actually, um, is that I had I had a hard time finding 
um, a good vein. And then, you know, a part of that that goes with it, Tori, is, you know, this sort of kind of cutting idea, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, so that the self-hatred, the self-loathing that comes from holding trauma. Mm As a kid, I had a lot of trauma growing up, which doesn't make me a drug addict, but at the same time, yeah, it makes me a drug addict. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, um, it's very, like, I have to be able to hold both those ideas, you know, because, you know, maybe had I not grown up the way I grew up, um, with a lot of abuse and stuff going on in my family, I might not be a drug addict today, you know, but at the same time, I also know that I have that gene. I have that thing that sure. always wants more. That always like it's kind of like twenty minutes later, I left the class and I need I need more of that abuse. That's good. That's so, good. You know, yeah. Like there's something, <laughs> yeah. you know, little uh, masochistic about it. But at the same time, I also knew deep down that it might just heal me. Like mm-hmm. there's no way I can use opiates anymore. I have a lot of pain I'm holding in my body from all the nerve damage. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do? You know, we say in 12-step recovery, you know, you're at that jumping off point. Yep. You're like stuck between the heart. Like, where are you going to go? And what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I thought that hot yoga might just be. And then I said to Francine, maybe I should do a 90 and 90. So in the 12-step recovery, we would do 90 meetings in 90 days. So okay. Uh, to make or break a habit, scientifically, they say 90 meetings, 90 days, or 90 classes, 90 days. So I was like, all right, I'll do 90 in 90 days. That's amazing. Which, uh, ridiculous, right? So uh, Princeton's like, oh, okay, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> you know, because, so, and then, and you know, she had bought me my intro. Okay. And then, so, and then she was like, you just have to pay it forward for someone else. You know. Oh my gosh. Um so and then the third day I went to Raphael had three different studios. I went to the one on twenty eighth street or twenty seventh street, whatever it was. And I walked in and I told the teacher that this stuff this hot yoga is no good for you. This is bad for you. Like I I can't do this anymore. I just wanted to let you know I won't be coming back and she's like, What are you doing here? Like no most people just don't come back. Like, why are you here? And then she looked at me. She said, you just need to get in the yoga room. Mm-hmm. Get in there. I don't care if you just lay there. Yep. Get in. And that was when I was like, you mean I could just lay down and not do anything? No, of course, I didn't. Because, yes. you know. But, you know, I was like, I didn't know that there were options in there. Mm-hmm. So Raphael's first two classes, <laughs> I was like, oh. I have an option. I mean, I know today, even when I teach, I'll be like, you can sit down. And I'm like, finally, I have to say, sit down before you fall down. Yeah. You know, because the really important part of the practice, you know, is being able to humble myself to be able to just sit down. You know? Oh, gosh. I And I think that there is something, and whether you practice, whatever you practice, Bikram yoga, hot yoga, you practice... You know, vinyasa, whatever your 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 practice involves, yes. because at this point, everything is kind of blending, which is beautiful. Um, but if you you have to learn that you do not have to do it all, otherwise you're not going to have a lifelong practice. That there is a day where you must sit down, or you modify the posture, 
or, you know, you ask the question. There has to be that, that point in your practice where you decide that for yourself because it's not about yoga perfect. You know, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as yoga perfect. You could try all you want, but it's just going to make you miserable, you know. And Do you find, like, being a teacher, that when you're on your mat in the room, that it's hard for you to sit down? I, well, I'm no longer teaching at a studio, right? So, oh, okay. But I will say, you know, I, 10 years, I did, I did. Yes. Yes, I taught Bikram Yoga and I taught it at the studio. And uh, no, I never had a problem sitting down as a teacher. Good for you. Good but for you. I practiced for six years before I came became a teacher. So wow. there was it wasn't like uh, there. I feel like a lot of yoga teachers nowadays they practice for like a year and then they're like, oh, I've got to teach yoga, and I love that. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just already had some rules, you know, for myself, right. you know, where yeah, it was. Totally. You know, and this also was a practice that really healed me from my eating disorder and all the that that own addiction and craziness that kind of went with that. And so, same as drugs, same as drugs. Oh same, yeah, yeah. Same fill in the hole, right? Totally. Same yeah. same thing of you know, and that driving perfectionism that just eats away at you and stuff like that. So I really yeah. understand um, that, and but I I. It's not that that girl went away that didn't want to be perfect. I could feel, you feel those students' eyes on you, you know. And I'll never forget, I've told this story in my blog before, but I haven't told it in a long time. But I was practicing with a newer student who, when we laugh about it today, she always tells me she could not stand me in the beginning. (laughs) She's like, I couldn't stand you. But she was practicing next to me. And after the class, she came up to me and she goes, you're not perfect. And I had the choice to either really like be upset by that and offended or to use that as a teachable moment for her. And I was like, no, I'm not perfect. No one's going to be perfect, perfect at yoga, you know? Um, and that's not what I'm trying to teach you when I'm pushing you to the next level. That is not the lesson. The lesson is I see that you could do more. Let's do more. You know, so there's, you know, there's, it's not about trying to get you to be perfect um, at it. And if you're looking to see a perfect practice, don't come a knocking on my door. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and you know, like just yesterday, no, it was the day before I was doing eagle pose and I'm having a lot of sciatica in my left hip. So I'm kind of doing a modification. Mm -hmm. Um, and I literally fell and bit the floor, like <laughs> right now, like totally, totally, like fell down on my face. And I really, um, I was so good with that fall. Yeah, you know did, did like, you just kind of laugh? In a way, off? it like just broke because I'd been, I'd been traveling for a month on a road trip um, up north. Well, from July to the middle of, from the middle of June to the middle of July, so I just got back. Okay. So my practice really suffered, and on the trip, and I kind of purposely was taking off. Yeah. Um, but I was also like, when you take off to let the hip heal, everything, you take off everything. Mm-hmm. The right thigh is weak. The shoulders are tight. The day, even though it's doing some yin stuff. Sure. Which I call the Chinese torture. That's more torture for me than 
then Guinness. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, because that's the one where you really have to like be still. Yep. And when you do those five minute goals. Yep. You have by to. By the end of the class, I literally feel 120 years old. And then the next day, mm-hmm. I feel 12. I feel 12. I'm like, oh my god, that year, that year, that year, and then I immediately forget. Like, I'm never doing that again. Just, <laughs> you know, I mean, I immediately forget the benefit. So I'm trying uh, right now to just allow myself to have a shitty practice, uh, be weak, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, all right, let's do some protein, you know, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, just meet myself where I'm at. Like, I'm always telling my students to meet them, yeah. their own selves, where they are. You know, and to be honest with that, you know, so why can't I do it? That's why I had to ask you at some, because I feel sometimes like, you know, I can't get the thing or do the thing or get the wrap or get this thing or, you know, yep. can't get the arm balance, can't get up and, you know, and it, who, nobody's looking, no one can. No, and you honest, honestly, I, I do feel if there are teachers listening uh, that feel like you have to be perfect for your students, I think you're doing your students a grand, a grand disservice because right. they need to see you also wobble sometimes or go, whoops, you know, because yes. it lightens everything up and you want right. people to be lighter. Like you have to That's think right. about why you're teaching. What is the end goal? What do you want them to feel after your class? Don't you yes. want them to feel lighter or do you want them to feel like, oh, I just can't get this and I'm no good and I suck at this. That's the way to create someone that's going to do yoga for six months and then forget about it. Whereas that's if right. if you're really working with your students to develop something that is theirs for their whole life, whether it involves you for their whole life or not, which is n- neither here nor there, right? They're with you now. If you're really just trying to help them develop something that is just theirs, then you have to figure out how you want them to feel afterwards and then teach your class from there. You know? Yeah. I always say, like, yoga is like the relationship, like, you have with the guy or the girl, the woman, the wife, the kid, the, you know, because it's a relationship with self. Absolutely. So that if you're not cultivating that in the class, you know, if it's constant, self-hatred in the mirror, self-loathing, or picking yourself apart, or, you know, like, you know, the the body dysmorphic stuff that so many women go through, or the, or the, like, just trying, like, the yoga just, especially the hot yoga, just strips away all of the blocks so that you can hopefully see the truth of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, that little truth that we're trying to get back to when we're little, little babies, you know, like, like that story of the golden buddha you know where <laughs> where we're already gold inside you know yeah. we just forgot we covered up our golden buddha with cement and mud and you know it's if the hot yoga starts to like break that armor that coating of concrete and cement like it starts to chip away at it and it's like then you see the gold inside and you're like oh my god this is so much more fun mm-hmm. you know to pick away the gold you know the concrete to see the gold than it is to just sit there and like focus on this ugly cement, you know what I mean? That you built up, yep. you know, because because you believed, or I believed. I'll keep it on me. I believed all the nonsense people told me 
that I wasn't good enough. I mean, thank God that kids are growing up in a time today. Well, I have one caveat to that. But kids are growing up in a time today where they're told, you know, that they're beautiful and, and they're loved. I mean, not all, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more today, you know, the four-letter word uh, love is used more, yes. I, I, I find. Um, but, you know, as we stay in that heat and we start to, you know, pick away that concrete and we see the truth of ourselves, it's like it's hard to go back to put the armor back up. You know oh, what I mean? for it, sure, for it's sure. It's just hard to go back to that. Like I saw it when I walked into a yoga studio, I was like, what is everybody on? But, you know, I really find that, like, if you can just be, you know, with that and see that gold again, that you start to realize that all that armor you built up was someone else's belief that they said about you. Yep. They said, you're not good enough. You're not, so, you're not, not so much me. It was so much, and I believed it. Mm-hmm. When it's in that belief system that, you know, the yoga breaks down all that shit. It's like, is that even true? Yeah. You know, is that even true? Well, we start to question that, you know, um, because we grow up in in such a way where you start fulfilling certain roles that are needed from you from the people that are around you. And um, and then you start when you when you find um, find a practice that you love and you might not love it at first, but it comes right. Like all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm here and I'm doing this. You start, and I'm constantly questioning that still today. I've been on my mat for 15 years and meditating even longer than that. And I still question that. Like, is that the truth? Or are you trying to fulfill a role for somebody? Um, I think that that, those are some valid questions to ask on the daily, you know, about yourself and who you are, who you want to be. And is it valid to keep acting in that way if it's not serving you if it's blocking you you know getting in your way yeah that's right yeah that's right it's amazing yes Um, and then um and like i i told you earlier but i really want to officially thank you on this podcast for your um work and donations to my nonprofit. oh my pleasure i'm just so grateful for you um, so one thing that I did in that little voice, when I did hear that little voice, I was like, you know, maybe I do need to find a way to get get all that addicts into a hot yoga room just to quiet the brain and still the the mind. So when um, did that? So okay, let's let's track back just a little bit yes. before we get into that part of this. So sure. let's track back. So you did the ninety, the ninety, and the ninety. So 90 classes in 90 days. Uh-huh. What what kind of uh, did you have any revelations during that time? What did what did you understand about yourself on day 91? You know, uh, my hardest thing and to this day in my practice and was really crazy back then was my inability to be still. Um just so much drama with me, Mm -hmm. you know, like literally having to, like, I literally have to pick up the water bottle after every single thing. I'd have to straighten, I'd have to move, I'd have to 
walk around in little circles. I'd walk around my mat. You know, I, you know, I'd even, you know, think about how I could throw this water bottle at the teacher. You know, or just like punch a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I would come out of standing separate like head to knee in the Bikram practice where you choke your throat by compression, and I would come out so physically angry. You know, wow. so much rage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to realize that, you know, you I mean you're in that room. It's not like you can really throw your what you know, and then the way I was behaving before I got into treatment, um, was yeah, you know, I just punched people just punch each other on the street. Like mm-hmm. that's just, you know, you took my shit, you get punched, you know, and or I got punched, you know, there was just a lot of there's a lot of drama that goes on in the street and even not even, not even if you weren't homeless and running the street like I ended up, but uh, it's just, you know, bars, booze, drugs, mm-hmm. you know, these things bring out like a lot of rage in people, like deep seated feelings, you okay. know, deep seated stuff. So and, did you uh, feel like the 90 days then was detoxing some of that emotional yes, baggage? Totally. Okay. Oh, and I was like, it's bringing it up the same way the drugs and booze did. Mm-hmm. But now I'm constrained. I have guardrails. I'm not high. I can't, you know, I, yeah. I uh, you know, I'm, I'm forced to look at it in a safe place, mm-hmm. even though at times it didn't feel safe because I didn't, you know, that was my own stuff, but to be able to allow these feelings like I said in standing separate like had to meet where you know I literally was like oh my god what am I going to do with this the only thing to do was breathe mm-hmm. be still you know and or so like, was that kind of the biggest reward that you found for yourself early yeah. on in your practice was the stillness completely and you know having teachers you know back in the day who were like don't move yeah be still breathe or like if I would reach, you know, Joseph and Cindy would be like, don't do it. <laughs> you know, Jared, uh, don't do it. Yeah. You know, these are like, like, I'd be like, you know, which would make me more angry, you know. So it would, it was like, it was all my stuff, you know, of one of my biggest, and with most addicts, alcoholics, whatever your addiction is, one of our biggest difficulty is being told what to do. You know, mm-hmm. rebellion dogs at every step. I want to be free, man. Don't tell me. You can't tell me. You know, I'm doing whatever the fuck I want. Excuse my language, but that, you know, we're, you can't tell me. Um, and in that kind of living is where you think you got to be free. Yeah, I do whatever I want. Is the ultimate prison. Mm-hmm. There is no freedom in any of that because you are in constant peril. You know, you're constantly setting yourself up for such harm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, and and a feeling of such shame and guilt for how you feel after being so free. Yeah, you know, makes you feel. Um, but when you start to realize, oh, the discipline and the structure of someone telling me, "Don't do it. Don't grab the what. Don't move. Just breathe." That discipline and structure is where the freedom is. It is because now. When I go back into my life. And someone looks at me sideways out of the corner of their neck, you know, and talks to me. I'm just like, don't do it. Yeah. Have a beautiful day. Exactly. And I really mean it because I know that if I give you my ass, basically, you know, Mm -hmm. because you just gave me yours, 
that I'm just part of the problem then. Mm-hmm. But if I can kind of lift out of it the way the yoga demands that you gotta lift out of yourself, man, and start to become a witness to yourself in that yoga room rather than always being the victim. Mm-hmm. You know? So whenever I'm always victimized, like it's usually in the yoga room, oh, it's hot. Oh, I don't like the way I feel. Oh, I can't get up in this posture. Oh, I don't, you know, this is hard. <laughs> and then you're like, wait a second. You know, if I could just lift myself out of myself and look down on myself for a moment, just be this little whiny brat, mm-hmm. you know, like then who is that self? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not even me. That's like something so much bigger, right? Yep. That's like witnessing, but that's really hard to do when you believe all the, the whining, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what I learned in those 90 days, truly. Like I really... I mean, did I accomplish it? No. No. But it was um, the beginning. Yeah, it was the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I still struggle today. They make fun of me at the studio, the genie. <laughs> you know, it's, it's and as a teacher, I'm like, you can tell me. I could do, you know, now I'm a little bit like cocky, you know. <laughs> but I still have my water. I had a tough day. I took two classes already. But, you know, no, it's the same practice, you know. It's yep. like, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes old habits will pop up in your practice just to see, like, for review almost. Like, you yes, know? Yes, to test you. Yes. yes. Be like, do I really, oh, my gosh, how did that happen? Why am I doing that? Right. I haven't done that in two years. And then it, it's like, it's just this reminder of this old self, right? And yes. And you have to make that choice to be like, no, I still really don't need you. <laughs> Yes. You know, I don't need whatever yes. weird habit or a distraction that you're bringing to me. We're still good. So goodbye for now, you know, until the next yeah. time you pop up. Yeah. For sure. Um, so what, let's kind of fast forward because we know what the beginnings are. And yeah. uh, so you've been on your mat for 13 years now. When did you first decide to teach? So, one thing that happened was I was dealing with these long sleeves, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, well, you know, I'm in the shower, I mean, I'm in the dressing room, so people would see me in the dressing room, you know, and one time Paula said, uh, a dear friend of mine turned to me, and she managed the studio for Ralph, and she was like, or my own partner, yeah, mm-hmm. and she said, um, Jeannie, what happened to your arms, you know, or, and I was like, oh my God. And it just came out of my mouth. I was in a fire. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And um, so that's how bad Scotty, like, you know. Yeah. And so I called my uh, spiritual advisor, sponsor in the program, you know, in 12 and 12, and I 12 step recovery. And she said, I told her what happened. And um, she said, well, you lied. Yeah. You know, and it's a program of honesty. Like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. and I knew to tell her because I didn't like the way I felt. Like, I had really been working on, you know, honesty, open mindedness, willingness, all of the tenets of, you know, 12 step recovery. And um, this was a big moment for me because I was like, she's like, can you see how now I'm like, I can never go back there again. Mm. I lot, you know, she's like, can you see the self sabotage? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I actually couldn't because I was like, you know, I just didn't want to reveal my story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but at the same time, but she's like, but you lied. Like, why couldn't you have said, maybe we could get together for a coffee and I'll share with you sometime. Yeah. Why couldn't, why did you have to have that immediate response like a child hand in the cookie jar? Did you eat the cookie? No, I didn't eat the yeah. cookie. You're standing there with the cookie, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. same response. Like, I was going to yeah. And um, so she made me go back and talk to her in that moment. Wow. And go back upstairs. And she was like, listen, yeah, you know, made me. But she yeah, she's like, this, and you know, I get it. Because... Do you really want to ruin this one thing that's helping you? You know? Sure. So I went back up, and I next time I saw her, I said, you know, I, 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 Paula, I need to tell you that, you know, I was not in a fire. Now, of course, I start bawling. Um, and I lied to you. Um, but one day, I would love to get together with you and have a coffee or something, you know, and mm-hmm. share with you, you know, what happened to me. And she's like, and then she felt so bad. Yeah. I'm so sorry I even asked. It's none of my business. You don't realize how you affect other people, yeah. you know, like, it's like, and then when she felt so bad and then I felt so bad, and then we just like hugged and then it was like, you know, all right, let's just go to the office. I'm going to tell you right now, like, you know, cause she just showed me so much love and, mm-hmm. you know, and I said, that's why I practice in long sleeves. And I told her my whole story. And then, you know, she was like, okay. And I said, but please don't tell Roth, you know, like I just couldn't bear. I don't know. I was just really, you know, he was my first teacher. You know how you just want to be so good and perfect. It's like, how do you tell mom? You know, how do you yeah. tell dad? Like, you know, I didn't. So, um, my friend Vanessa was like, you need to start practicing in short sleeves. Yeah. You know, you need to start walking the freaking walk. You talk all this Gucci shit, like, you know, but yet here you are still hiding. Mm-hmm. And so I made an appointment with Raphael. And I, I followed her direction, and I and I said, "Listen, I just need to tell you what's going on." And he was like, "God, I take off those sleeves." I wondered. He was just like, oh. he was like, "Honey, I'll like you yeah. know." And and Paula never did tell him. I could tell he was really he did not know, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, "Listen, I want you to apply to the Bikram scholarship." I want you to apply. I want you to fill out the paperwork. I just want you to try. I mm-hmm. really want you to, because you could help a lot of people. And he knew right away. Wow. I told him my story, um, how I needed to go be a teacher. And I was like, really? And then my friend Francine was like, you need to go be a teacher. And Vanessa, you need to go be a teacher. And I was just like, you really think I can do it? You know, I was mm-hmm. just like. And I just held on to their belief in me. Same way we hold into all beliefs, right? Sure. Um, I held on to that good belief. Um, and uh, so went ahead and did all that stuff, applied to the scholarship, you know, got the scholarship, um, went to training. Uh, and when I got to training, because I'd done 19 months in treatment, mm-hmm. living in one small I swear to God, eight by 14 room. I mean, I don't know. It was really teeny. Four bunk beds, eight women. Wow. Yeah, now, for 19 months. I was like, I can do anything. Yep. I mean, <laughs> so we did that. I was at the San Diego training where Hellbent was written. Okay. That was my training. Yeah. And um, uh, what a great guy who wrote that book. Um, Just, Benjamin Lore. 
And I'll put I that in the show notes for you guys if you haven't read Hellbent. It's a, it's a great book to read. <laughs> it's fabulous because it's really a true study yeah. into nar- narcissism and what narcissism can do. Yes. And how it can tear people apart and what the illness is, mm-hmm. you know? And so to me, that book was so amazing because it made me have even more compassion for Bikram in a way, you know, I mean, I'm not, not hanging out with Bikram. You know what I mean? I'm yes. not going in chat. Or one, no, you know, I was never that really, girl really, either. Like I really, really grateful for him to him giving me the scholarship. He, the man saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, you know, I just refuse to be around abusers, you know? Yes. And, I, uh, that's my story. And so I cannot, yes, uh, I however, <laughs> that this is a study and this book is a study and you know, what makes someone become an abuser, you know, mm-hmm. hurt people, hurt people. Bikram was really hurt at a young age, yeah. you know? Um, and so he has no tools. Yeah. I mean, part of me is like, oh, I wish I could get get with that guy and get him to do twelve step recovery. Um, <laughs> but, um, but don't you feel I mean, like truly, well, like, truly? Don't you don't you feel just kind of to backtrack you just a little bit that um, your your sponsor was giving you a tool when she asked, told you to go upstairs and talk to Paula uh, and say, this is what you say when this happens. You can't just yes. put in uh, put in whatever That's information a- you want. Instead, it's like, I'm not comfortable talking about this in a public place, but if you want to get to know me more, let's go have coffee, and I'd be happy to sh- share that with exactly. you. It was such a tool. Yes, I didn't know you could say to someone, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Like, no, this is an what? inappropriate place for us yeah, to have this conversation. I just thought I had to have an answer yeah. for something. Yeah. Or I didn't know you could be quiet. Yeah. You just let it sit there in the air. Yep. So you in know? so many like, ways, I feel like this whole situation yeah. taught you this really great but tool. But then yoga taught me that, right, Tori? Yoga taught me, like, that's that moment where you want to grab the water bottle where you just go, hmm. No. I don't need it. I just want it for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. Baby to the bottle, right? Yeah. And, you know, I have to tell you that some of that old school teaching is what really worked for me. You know, um, I love, I've done different trauma trainings for yoga. I've mm-hmm. done different. And I have to tell you, and this has just been my experience. So anybody out there who, you know, has a different experience, I'd love to hear about it. Um, but with my addicts and alcoholics I work I go we go in three times a week to a program here um, Mm -hmm. or jail or whatever like I said in the beginning of this is that our biggest sort of defect or if you want to call it that or difficulty no it's a defect of character is rebellion dogs at every step just resistant Mm -hmm. resistant 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 I'm not doing what you tell me I don't want to do what you tell me so that old school of get on your mat Suck your stomach in, lock your knees, stretch up, be still, breathe. Like in the trauma, I invite you to lay down on your mat. Now, this is wonderful, wonderful, but I found that this kind of the the addicts and alcoholics I work with, you know, it's just not working. Yeah. Not working. It's not working. And so, some of the old school, you know, nope, 
nope, nobody, nope, nope. If you are on <laughs> in this room, yeah, and you, I didn't like Raphael. I said I didn't send invites, party invites for you to come and take yoga day. You came, yeah. You know, you're sitting in here. You're in treatment. You're here. So now you either do it or just leave. Like mm-hmm. I don't need. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't. I'm not saying you have to do it right. I'm not saying you have to do it just. Get on the mat, yeah. lay on the floor, whatever. But there has to be discipline and structure. So I do find myself, you know, we're an old school uh, in that we trust the dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. and in our vinyasa too. And because the, we're a cue based yoga studio. Okay. You know, we're not an inquiry based yoga studio mm-hmm. which the inquiry yoga where you like you're in the posture and you're like gee what is happening in my left thigh where you're constantly asking self yes um what's going on with the trauma training too, trauma yoga you know which just has its place sure it has its place um and, and i love it i love it for me at this point in my practice i love it mm-hmm. um but i find that in the beginning especially for the work that i do with at example, with one posture at a time is the definite more structure mm-hmm. and the cue base so that whatever comes up for them, because I don't know their dad flew them, threw them down a flight of stairs when they were five. Yeah. Right. And so their spine is messed up and so they can't turn to the right, whatever. I don't need to know all that. I don't need to talk about it. We don't need to discuss it. We don't need to go over it. We just need to try to stretch your spine up and look over to the left and try to twist your spine. Now you get all these memories, all this stuff comes up, mm-hmm. you're reliving being thrown down the stairs at five, you're having the trauma, the tears pour down your face, you come back to center, now you're gonna do the other side. And that's it, and then we don't have to talk about it, we don't have to process in the group therapy, we don't, we literally are working it out of the part. Yeah. You know, so to start to name it, and all that stuff, and name it, and did it, you know, and label it, and I just, I don't, I just feel that a cue-based yoga practice is really, really important if you've been traumatized, you have addiction issues, uh, is, so that you can, the body will release that stuff when you're ready. I agree with you know? that. I agree yeah. with that. Um, and I feel... And like, I, I am just like you, like whatever works for you. So if trauma informed yoga is, is something that you're very passionate about, um, I, I'm not, what I'm saying is not against you. I'm what Jeannie's yeah, saying is so not important. against you. And when you get to a certain point in your practice, sort of like when you get in a certain, to a certain point in your recovery, yeah. when you start to dig deeper and you start writing step work around belief systems you start mm-hmm. getting deeper into your part and stuff you start getting deeper into actually no i don't have a part in this one you know aa mm-hmm. is all about owning your part and taking responsibility yeah. but as you get further along in your 12 steps you start to realize actually i don't really have a part there you know i was yeah. three years old you know like Whoa, yeah and what? so a lot of the times it's just processing i find this is true from seeing my students and from my own experience on the mat a lot of the times when it is that emotional release that you're having um, through a yoga posture, it's just you finally processing what happened. 
You know, you're finally processing it and you're, you're available to process it instead of stuffing it down into your hips or stuffing it down into your shoulders or whatever. And so you're processing, you're going to feel so much better if you just move through the posture than if you avoid it. And now maybe you're ready to move on to a trauma-based, more informed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because now you're at a place, like I just said, like you're oh, maybe I need to go do some of that somatic experiencing. Yes. Maybe I need to go do, you know, which is so powerful. Absolutely. And you start to realize, like, the shaking of the muscles and the shaking of the body, shake loose deeper, on a deeper, yeah. Yeah, but I think in the beginning, it it does have to be those grab your foot, you know. That's right. You know, it's just like it has to be that simple, you know, and you have to be able to simplify it, Um for yourself and if you're teaching for your students you know totally. too much yeah. is too much but yeah. okay so let's go back so you've told to apply for this scholarship um which was you could go to training right um yes. without having to pay the fee right so a scholarship full scholarship and scholarship, 2010 so what happened um, there this is 2010 yeah san okay. diego 2010 and um Oh, so I show up, and everybody is like terrified and freaking, you know, forget. And I'm just like, this is a vacation. I have to tell you, it was a vacation for all the New Yorkers because the New Yorkers are like slogging up and down the the subway stairs, trying to get to class, trying to get to work, trying to get to bed. You know that we're like, oh my god, all I have to do is wake up, walk down to the yoga tent, do yoga, go home, back to the room, and eat. Go back for a little lecture, take a little nap, come back and eat, go back for a little more yoga, come back to the room, eat. Like, I was in heaven. I was just like, this is like great. And a lot of people were like, you know, really, of course, it's hot. It's San Diego. It's it's 110 in the tent. You know, it's training. Um, Two classes a day. There was one day where he did... Pranayama breathing for 40 minutes. Oh, God. Yeah. I didn't have any of that kind of weird experience. I mean, there was plenty of weird experience, but I didn't have something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I'm not moving forward until you all are in the room. So he could, like... Yeah, he could feel. In other words, like, like mentally in the room. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's week seven, you know, when it gets hard. Week five to seven. Yeah. Like... Where you're like, why am I doing this to my yeah, life? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I really didn't want it to end. I really yeah. was like, I know, I was one of those weirdos. Um, and, but then I got back and, you know, your body's full of lactic acid and you're just like all puffy and bloated and you're like, what happened to me? Yeah. Um, but you're, you know, going to teach your first class and I taught the next day at 6.30 a.m. and. I still didn't know the floor series, and I, I read. I said I could. I gave it was four people in class, and I gave them the choice for me to read from the manual, mm-hmm. read from the thing, because Roth wasn't there, or I could just make it up. And they were all like, "Oh no, read it." They didn't want my. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, they're like, "Oh no, just read it," because they're like diehard students. They want that class, you yeah. Know? And um, I told Raphael that story. About six months later, How I didn't funny. dare tell on myself, you know. But I told him that story, and he goes, "Oh, I'm calling Vikram," and I really thought he meant it. Oh, I was no. like, 
<laughs> so stupid. Uh, uh, um, but anyway, so then I learned my dialogue. And, you know, and I started to teach, and I was like, right away, um, my friend Lynn Zinzer, who was a student and also worked at the New York Times, was like, what if we pitch your story to the, um, the New York Times and we mm-hmm. write an article, you know? And I was like, really? And then I wrote in that New York Times article my experience. She yep. really helped edit it and shape it. And and then um, it got into the Sunday style section. And the at the bottom, the last sentence of the article was, you know, the story where I go and I meet Bikram. Sorry, someone's not ringing my doorbell. Mm-hmm. I go and I up to Bikram and I thank him for my recovery. I thank him for the scholarship. And he's like, oh, you, 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 the drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you must now do for the world what I've done for you. You must give this back. Mm-hmm. All addicts alcohol. So I wrote that the last line thing. of the article. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was, now I made this promise. So I was like, oh, shit. You know, now I got to hold this promise. That so, was the moment then when I had written that, made that promise into the world. Mm-hmm. Where I then was like one posture at a time was born. This yoga chat with Jeannie covers a ton of ground, and I didn't want to cut out a bit of it. So know that this is just part one of our conversation. Check back next week for part two. I cannot wait to share it with you. I hope you are enjoying this conversation as much as I did. There are so many great takeaways here to add fuel to your own personal practice, and I hope they stick with you for the week ahead. And before you go, just a reminder that if you're ready to take on my 10-day yoga challenge, then I'm ready for you. It's completely free and a fun way to connect with each other. To join the challenge, go to the show notes. You'll see the link there. Or you can go to my website at meetmeonyourmat.yoga. I'll meet you back here next week for part two of my interview with Jeannie. Until then, I look forward to the day I get a chance to meet you on your mat.